Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 18 through 26, in the Old Testament section of our Red Bibles on page 630. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today and in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, amen. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Yet, they will master all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned and gave my heart up to despair concerning all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all the toil and strain which which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain and their work is a vexation. Even at night their minds do not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and heaping, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a chasing after wind. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, before I share my thoughts with you, I want you to know yesterday I had the opportunity to to visit our men's fellowship and to be with the men of our church, but also had the opportunity to hear Keith uh, Dunn. His wife Molly is with him. Uh, Keith shared a a wonderful and encouraging word to the men about how to pray together. 
and we actually not only heard him explain it, but he told us how to do it. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind standing, both of you. Keith and Molly are serving in Kyrgyzstan, and just to thank God for them. If this is one of your first Sundays here at First Prayers, I want you to know that we are actually spending the last Sunday in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the title that you see, of course, I'm stealing it from a more profane way of talking about one's job. But I'd like to believe that God wants us to take our job and to love it. And so I want to answer a question that was posed by the teacher in verse 25. And if you have your Bibles open, I know we just heard it read. But if you would open your Bibles again to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 18 through 26, and just look at that second to the last verse, look at that question where the teacher says, apart from God, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? When you read it in its totality, I think what the, the, the teacher is doing, the teacher seems to be implying that with the awareness of God's hand upon us, we can actually enjoy life and the work that God gives to us. But I also think the teacher seems to be implying that when we are void of that awareness of God's hand upon us in the work that we're doing and in the life that we're living, that things can become rather empty. And based on some of the readings I've been doing over the coming, the past few weeks, this seems to be the challenge for the average American worker. People are unhappy with their work. And these statistics are rather shocking. From the Gallup poll, 2017 found that only 30% of Americans find meaning and satisfaction in their work. This means that 70% of us are unhappy with our current situation. The title you see on the screen, The World's Broken Workplace, was actually an, a research article done by Jim Clinton, who is one of the founders of Strength Finder. So they've done significant research on the workplace environment around the world, and they came out with this title, The World's Broken Workplace. But here in America, they said, upwards of 70% of us, when we wake up on on, when we think about going to work on Monday morning, we wonder, I wish I didn't have to go. Based on our reading this morning, though, this business of hating one's work is not a 21st century problem. More than 4,000 years ago, as we've heard, the teacher woke up one day and said, I hate, and he says, all my toil. The word there literally means toil, literally means wearisome work. I, I, I hate all my work. Now, that's a pretty bold thing to be saying. And in fact, the teacher gives us three reasons why he hates his job. And I want you to look at the first one in verse 18. He says, I hated all my toil, seeing, and here's the reason why, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. In other words, when I die is what he's saying. I, I know I can't take it with me, and I hate that. Maybe the second reason why he hates his work is in verse 19. Because he says, for disliking this wearisome work, he says, after he's gone, he's not sure whether those who inherit the wealth, his wealth, will be wise or foolish. And yet, whether I like it or not, 
they will be master of all for which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. And, and it goes on in verses 20 through 23, sort of repeats the same reason for hating years, his years of labor. He says, the one who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave it all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This is empty and it's a great evil. Some of you may already know the story about the man who was feeling the same kind of anxiety about work and what to do with his money, and he knew he was dying, and he said to his wife, I want you to promise me that when I die, you're going to take all my money, and you're going to put it in a box and put it in my casket. Promise me. And his wife said, okay, I'll do it. She said, I'll do it. And of course, sadly, the day came when the man did die. And just before the funeral director closed the casket, the woman said to the funeral director, hold on a minute, and she took this box and she put it in the casket. And her children were with her and they said, Mom, are you crazy? What did you just do? Did you really put all of our stingy father's money in the casket? And she said, well, I'm a Christian woman. Of course I, I did that. I, I took all his money, I deposited, I deposited it in the bank, and then I, I wrote a check and I put it in the box and I put it in the casket. So she kept her word. But I think what the writer is getting at is that when we die, we lose that sense of agency and control and it's kind of terrifying. So why go through this whole business of life and work and so on? I read a a rather sad statement by Christopher Hitchens when he was dealing with his cancer. Christopher Hitchens was one of the world's famous atheists, and he said, I'm not afraid of dying, but what I don't like about death is that you have been asked to leave the party, and the problem is the party will carry on without you. When we die, we lose control, and we have to all the things that we thought we had control of, we have to let it go. The third reason, I think, he gives is in verse 23, and I'm calling this stress. He said, for all their days, all their days are full of pain. Their work is a vexation. And think about this. Even at night, how many of us feel this way? Even at night, our minds do not rest. This is also vanity. We spend approximately a third of our days at work. Work defines us as a people. And when we aren't happy at work, when we don't feel fulfilled at work, other areas of our life will often suffer. And so I would suggest that we must figure this out. And the reason is, I read a, another significant article from a group of researchers in the UK where they say that the average worker's career lasts about 80,000 hours. You'll spend about 80,000 hours working in your career, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, for about 40 years. And it may not be in the same career, but many of us will work for a maybe over the arc of about 40 years, about 80,000 hours hours that is a long time to spend spend one's life working without a sense of meaning and purpose but then thankfully the writer does shift the tone 
switches gears and he says some very positive things about work and you'll see this in verses 24 through 25. Just look at that very quickly with me. He said, there is nothing better for mortals than that to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from God, who can eat or who can have their enjoyment? What a great question. Apart from God, can you really find meaning and enjoyment? Can you really find meaning and enjoyment? And so that's really the question I think we need to answer. How do we find enjoyment? How do we find meaning in the toil that God gives to all of us? And I really mean all of us. And some of you are saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm retired. That doesn't apply to me. I am not working age. It applies to all of us because we all work. We don't all work with jobs that pay us a wage, but we're all working. Volunteering is a, is a job. Working in the local PTA as a volunteer, being in school as a student, you're working. How do we find enjoyment? How do we love the work that God has put before us so that when Monday comes around, we're ready to go? Well, let me just suggest before we come to the communion table, two quick possibilities and i really say possibilities because you may just say pastor ray you live in the church world you don't know what you're talking about i'd like for you to think with me that you could actually look forward to monday if you think of your work as worship think of your work as worship what if we understood our work as worship, an act of worship to our God. And I know what I'm trying to do is to blow up your conception of worship because some of you only think the time you worship is when you come to church and you hear the, all the music and all the stuff that we've done so far and you say, wow, that was good worship. I'd like to blow that up and have you think about work as worship. Whether you're seeing patience, you're mowing your lawn, you're creating art, you're writing code, you're changing diapers, your work can be a profound spiritual act. It's a way of caring for those who depend upon us. It's a way of giving back to the world. It is a way of acknowledging that all of life we live and move and we have our existence in God. Worship and work, they go together. When you look at the book of Genesis, you notice that God was the first worker. And in the very next chapter, you see the man and the woman as also being workers, workers in the garden. And what were they doing? They were imitating the working God. And Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, says that work becomes worship when we dedicate it to God and we perform it with an awareness of his presence. And you don't have to be in church to do that. Monday morning, you can walk in and say, God, I'm here to worship you through the responsibilities that you've given me. It's an act of love. Your work is an extension of your worship and your service to God. And that's why I tell people all the time, don't work for recognition, human recognition. Don't work so people can pat you on the back and say, you're so awesome. Even though that's nice to hear, that's not our starting point. We work for the glory of God. 
We work hard with all of our might because we want God to be pleased. We didn't have time to read this, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, the writer then says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. In other words, I think the writer is saying, do your best. Don't work because of the money. Don't work to attract recognition. Don't work because somebody's watching you. Work hard because God's given you these hands. He's given you these, this life and this opportunity to work for his glory. Now, having said that, I'm not advocating acceptance of workplace abuse. And I don't want to get into this, but it's just my pet peeve. Every time I go into the supermarket, I, I look at the fruits, I look at the vegetables, and I wonder what, did, what toll did it take on individuals to get this stuff from the farm into the supermarket. I read an article on BuzzFeed the other day that talks about the damage that Amazon does to the workplace and to our culture by offering next day delivery and the toll that it takes on that driver in eight hours they want that driver to deliver 250 packages and when you break it down it's literally minutes and the article goes on and talks about how some of these drivers were were peeing on themselves because they dare not stop because they're going to lose their job now that's abuse and i've even been thinking since reading that article should i even order another item from amazon I know I'm going to get into trouble for saying that, but that's workplace abuse. When you pay women, because they're women, 50 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar, because they're women, I'm not advocating that. When people are harassed in the workplace by predators who prey on women or even women who prey on men, I'm not advocating that. That's wrong. And, and you and I, we should do all we can to change that kind of workplace culture. And if we can't change it, I think you should leave that culture. So I'm not saying that, you know, you go into the job and you just accept everything because you're worshiping God. There comes a point where, as we were singing about justice, there needs to be justice in the workplace. But the second thing I will quickly say to you before we go to the table is to practice what I call the GEO principle. The GEO principle God in every occupation. If you believe that God's hand is on you, if you believe that God's hand is on your work, then even in your current work environment, you can see God at work in your occupation. You can invite God right into where you work on Monday. Because after all, you already bring your lunch to work, some of you. You bring a laptop to work, you bring a briefcase to work, you bring a cup of coffee to work, you bring all kinds of stuff with you to work. What would be wrong if you were to bring God to your place of work? What would shift if you were to acknowledge that God is present in your workplaces? So I think this is all about an attitude, right? This is about an attitude where we then say that I'm here, 
I know things aren't what they should be, but I'm not going to about, worry about who's getting promoted. I'm not going to worry about whether they're paying me the right thing, the right amount. I'm not going to worry about whether the boss speaks to me or doesn't speak to me or, you know, you think about all that might be wrong in the workplace environment. You can still walk into that place and say, God, I know that you're here. I know that you're sovereign. I know that you want to work through me even in this environment. I thank you that you're here with me in my work. And what that does, that is a shift in attitude. And the answer isn't to go look for another job always. Sometimes you need to do that, and I've already said that. But sometimes if you think the problem is with them and maybe the problem is with you and you go get a new job and it's even a better paying job, but you find some of the same people that you thought you left at the other job present in the new job, that should tell you maybe the problem isn't with the job. Maybe the problem is with me. Maybe I need to shift my attitude and think first of all I'm here to worship this God I'm here to honor the people who hire me I'm here to bring service to my co-workers I love what Colossians 3 and verse 17 says whatever you do this is one of my life verses whatever you do in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father I'm always amazed as we come to the communion table of that beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus had a tough work environment. And yet the writer of Hebrews says, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame. Jesus, the difficulty of that environment, he was looking to God. And I wonder if we could do the same. I wonder if by the grace of God, we could begin to look at ourselves and say, God, I want to worship you in the work that you've given me. I want for you to be present in my occupation. I want to shift my attitude because you're here now. And I wonder what would happen Monday through Friday over the ark of our career. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's children say,